0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE. E-S-N-Y. Hello,
1: everybody. I'm Matt Castillo here with... Chip Murphy. I about said Danny Small because we're using Danny's login. So I seen like in your box it says Danny Small and I'm like, that's that's not Danny. That's not, that's Chip Murphy. That's Chip Murphy. Uh, But of course, we have a special guest joining us for this Nick State of Mind podcast. And that is Nick Film School's Jonathan Macri. Jonathan, thank you again for coming on, hopping on the pod and talking a little hoops with us.
0: I always I always feel very nervous when I get called a special guest because there's an immediate implication that something is expected of me that I am not <laughs> capable of delivering. I am I am but a man uh, with takes like a, like a, like our, all our, all of us uh, just men with takes men and women with takes.
1: <laughs> yeah, but uh, we well we're gonna start. Jonathan is is right after or right before we started recording. Me and Chip were talking about it, and it's funny because when you join. Uh, the, the Zoom call here, first thing that you mentioned was you know, a week before training camp opens and we did not fire our president of basketball operations, so we're already <laughs> off to a good start. Now, the team that did that are the Minnesota, uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, literally, just as we got started. Uh, Chip, you have more information on it, uh, what the Timberwolves did, and one of their star players' uh, reaction to this news, so fill us in on that, Chip.
2: Yeah, when you do a a basketball podcast on September 22nd, sometimes you're struggling to find ideas and sometimes they just smack you right in the face. Like this one just happened to happen today. Literally just as we were about to start recording, Gerson Rosas was fired by the Minnesota Timberwolves. They announced it all tidy in the, the press release or whatever. He was dismissed. I think Woj tweeted out he was dismissed by the team. They parted ways. But in the Minnesota Timberwolves announcement, they, they, uh, they didn't even thank him. So it clearly was not a happy uh, dismissal. It was not a mutual parting of the ways. It was they wanted him gone. Something happened. A classy then. Minnesota. Yes, <laughs> very classy. Well, uh, it wasn't exactly like Gerson Rosas treated uh, the coaching situation there. Very classy. Not that Minnesota did it right but he didn't do the coaching thing right i mean that that just that's a miserable ownership situation there good luck A-Rod, i guess the the karma that he's taking is over. that
1: even through yet is that official 2022
2: 2022 yeah,
1: 2023 sake, the, okay i can't
0: back out of it i mean man um no but then, i mean you you nailed it it's it's the owner right i mean it's we know it better than anyone because we had as as bad uh, an ownership situation as there was in the league for the better part of two decades, and now finally that there's a regime um, that can uh, you know, relate to the owner and that has a pre-existing relationship with the owner and who the owner respects. Like the owner hasn't changed, but like you could argue the situation has changed. And obviously in Minnesota, you know, <laughs> it's not the case.
2: Yeah. And when Carl Anthony Towns, your star player, tweets out what the fuck immediately after it happens, that's about the worst look that you can possibly happen after a major decision like this. Just a disaster. Yeah,
1: yeah just a time. I mean, literally, like, you're a week away from starting training camp and, and getting ready for the season, and then you make a move like this. Uh, not not a good look. Not Not a good look for sure. I mean, it kind of reminds me, and I know there was a little bit more time, but Right after the the draft, they allow Phil Jackson the draft. and and the They they fire Phil Jackson not long after. And you're thinking, why in the hell did you let this guy be a part of the draft process and draft players and then fire him right after? Not a good look. (laughs) Not what you want. Somebody tweeted
2: that the Suns fired Ryan McDonough a week before the season started. I remember when that happened, too. Of course, Ryan McDonough and Phil Jackson were on the job for longer and had both done a horrible job. Chris right. Rose hasn't been there for very long.
1: Just very Yeah, very... I, go ahead. No, it,
2: it, he hasn't been there for very long,
0: but I think even like less about the time that he's been with the organization. Obviously like continuity is important and you want to give a situation a chance to to like germinate or or whatever the right word is. But it's just you know, I hate to give any praise to Boston because it's fucking Boston. Um but like You know, you saw how they did the Ainge, you know, uh, Stevens thing. Like, say what you want about whether Stevens should be getting that job or, like, the job that Ainge did over the last few years. But at least, like, that was a coherent transition at the right time. Like, how these things get executed, I think, speaks as much about, you know, the the -the behind-the-scenes situation as, you know, when or, like, how long the people are in place. People have been in, in jobs for long because it's like the people in, in charge realize that, you know, it's just not working out and they don't want to waste time. But do it now. I mean, my goodness. And, and the, the, there was a recent there was a tweet from, um, I think it was Shelly with ESPN, saying that he was having, like, meetings with players and, and personnel earlier today in, uh, in the gym, or, like, you know, within the last couple of days. It
1: is very, very bizarre. And, I mean, it just – especially when you hear that like he's doing his job he's having the meetings with the and then by afternoon oh yeah you got to pack up your shit and leave uh you know I, I i more stuff should probably come out about this um you know as the the next several hours unfold but chip you were you were alluding to it uh with carl anthony towns um uh, little like what the hell Daddy, is going on here you know with the news of you're firing your your, your president of basketball yeah. operations a week before training camp. Uh, so, of course, I mean, you, you said it at this time of year. This is the point of the season, uh, uh, you know, in the offseason where you get fans or, or people talking about videos of players in an empty gym or how much bigger and stronger they look and how they're going to be a monster this year. Uh, you know, Mitchell Robertson's gonna start shooting three pointers apparently. Um, you know, Enos Cantor's joining the three-point contest because he's draining them in an empty gym. Like usually you usually get those conversations, but you know, you get these kind of rumors here, especially something like this. I mean, it does not seem like it's sitting well with Carl Anthony Towns. So naturally, you know the Knicks are gonna be linked there. Um, it, it it's going to be talked about what deal can be made to bring Carl Anthony Towns. And I know Chip, you were looking at his contract before we even, even, even like, just play around with that idea. I know you said you were looking up, uh, what is that contract and w- any way that would even work for the Knicks
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an incredibly team friendly contract <laughs> compared to some of the other deals that are out there. I mean, he's 25 years old. About to turn twenty six, he he makes thirty one point six million dollars this upcoming season. Next year, thirty three point eight. The year after that, the twenty two, uh, the twenty twenty three, twenty twenty four season, the final year of his deal, he makes thirty six million. Which he'll be twenty seven years old in the final year of his deal, and that's obviously all three years guaranteed. I mean, that's a fantastic contract. Uh, so I think it's a
0: great it's a great example of why like when you throw around the term max contract, you really need to be specific because the first, the first post rookie deal max is just not the same type of animal Mm -hmm. as like, you know, like Dame Lillard in uh, in player option for the last year of that contract, but yeah, isn't it over 50? So, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's like, I, I, it's, you know, it's, I, I think, with Towns, I don't know if I'd call it, like, an extreme value, but the fact that you're getting him in, like, two years for whatever it is, 10 or 15 less than a guy like Dame or, or God knows what Curry's going to be making now that he's signed this into extension. Um, but it matters. Every, every dollar matters.
1: So, what, is this something that you know? have already seen a friend of the show, Colin, say he's not trading R.J. Barrett? <laughs> Because, you know, everybody's linking that and Mitchell Robinson. uh, Is this something the Knicks should even bother pursuing or at least looking into? And do they, again, have the pieces to actually pull off this trade, the assets to pull off this trade? Jonathan, I'll start with you with that.
0: Oh, God. I don't even even want to wrap my head around Carl Anthony Towns fake trades right now because, like, you know, it's the same thing with Dame from a few months ago. This team for the first time in a very long time is in a place where we are genuinely excited to see the product that's going to be put on the floor in the year ahead. I, I, I am excited to give them a little bit of time to germinate um, in terms of like making a trade. They can't make a trade right now because of the, the in the NBA, if you sign a contract uh, or sign players to free agent contracts, can't trade him until December fifteenth, and Julius Randle. Not that he's going anywhere, but they can't trade him until I think it's February third. Um, so they just don't have the money to put together at the moment. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's some crazy way that I'm not thinking of that would involve like all of their young players like working contracts. Like realistically, they can't trade for him now anyway. Um, I think the bigger question is like, okay, let's say Anthony Towns goes into um, whoever the owner's office is, I guess. But it would, Is he calling up A-Rod? Is he he going to Glenn Taylor's office? Is it a three-way call? I don't know. Um, Whoever it is. And he's like, all right, I'm done here. Um, Trade me. You know, one, it's the question of the hour with the NBA. Like, where does player empowerment start? And two, if they're like, okay, fine, we'll deal you. Like, at that point in your Minnesota, you have Anthony Edwards in the midst of year two, he kind of looks the part of a guy who could maybe, like, I don't know, lead the league in scoring one day if we're talking, like, ceiling outcomes. So, there's a natural opportunity there to kind of reset the clock. Do they want to do that, though? I mean, I guess if they do want to do that, then you could do a deal centered around picks. And, like, obviously, Fournier would be included for salary purposes. I mean... You know, every one of these conversations is going to come down to, do you trade R.J. Barrett or do you not trade R.J. Barrett? And, I, ju- I mean, I, I, I'm cur- Chip, I'm curious to hear what you think. I, I'll, like, a whole post-podcast earlier today. Yeah, John Krasinski, on talk about the Wolves, and how, like, Carl Anthony Towns is kind of being split on now. Like, he, 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 by all accounts, should be considered universally a top-ten player in the league. He's not. I don't know that most people consider him a top-20 20 or 25 player in the league right now but the guy can do like special 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 things like how much how much do you blame the fact that he just doesn't try on defense and he hasn't tried on defense for a very long time on the fact that he's been injured and he's been on a crappy team and the, like obviously the passing of his mom I'm like it's incredibly tragic but you know i he's a really really difficult player for me to parse out and i get a little queasy at the notion of like we're going to mortgage our entire future we're basically we're going to do the anthony davis trade for Carl anthony towns and pair him with, with julius randall and that's the other part of it it's like if you're bringing him here to pair with randall i think there are arguments for to why that would fit and i think there are arguments for why like you just don't build your team around two big guys anymore and i know they're not traditional big guys but like you know they're two big guys <laughs> so I, I know that was a lot but like chip i'm curious to hear what you think
2: yeah i i agree with you about specifically his defense i think that's where he gets the knock and that's part of the reason i wouldn't trade uh rj barrett for him because like you said that's you're mortgaging your entire future you're going all in on making julius Randle and carl anthony towns your two best players and it's kind of like the dame lillard thing where you know, we talked about this. It's it's pointless to discuss a Dame Lillard trade without discussing R.J. Barrett because why would Portland ever discuss it? I feel like it's the same thing with Minnesota. Like Carl Anthony Towns is so good, why would they ever trade him unless it's R.J. Barrett? So if you trade R.J. Barrett, then your two best players are Towns and Randall. I'm not sure that's enough to even get out of the second round in the East. I mean, the East is I think it depends. Really yeah, I mean, it, but it depends. Like, uh, but again, so who's the rest of your team? The rest of your team is
0: like, I mean, right now it's Kemba Walker, it's Derrick Rose, it's it's the rookie. Like, I don't know. Th- these questions are tough because, like, we what is Emmanuel quickly going to be in year two? Is he going yeah, to be able to be like one of the best six men in the league? Just for example, can he be a starting shooting guard? Can you can you put him as your point guard if you have two guys like Randall and Towns who like they are your you know, you're running the offense through those guys. I guess like it's funny. Like, if you're if you're to list in order the best players right now, right? Carl Anthony Towns, Julius Randle, RJ Barrett, Anthony Edwards, unquestionably Julius
2: Randle and Carl
0: Anthony Towns are the first players in some order, right?
2: Well, it depends but, on if Sports Illustrated is listing. Well, them, then
0: listen, I'm not <laughs> even gonna go there. But like if you're asking me like what two man combo am I more excited? And this is, this is no shade on Julius Randall. I want to be very clear. I love, love, Julius Randall. I want to see him here for the rest of his career. But if you're asking me like which two man combination I'd be just like more excited about over the next five years or so, I, I kind of think I'd say Anthony Edwards and RJ Barrett. I could see those guys making some really nice music together. Um, I like some of the other pieces they have in Minnesota. Um, obviously, um, uh Vanderbilt and um oh my god I'm blanking
2: on the the, the
0: I know you're a big D'Angelo
2: Russell fan
0: yeah not D'Angelo Russell <laughs> I'm sorry uh, I'm about I mean it's the guy who has the same last name as the dude in Charlotte um, Oh, McDaniels uh, McDaniels thank you even though there's no relation so yeah. like yeah like he's a good player um you know they there's there's some like interesting stuff there um, but all this is to say, I am not jumping up and down for a Carlos Tevez trade. Yeah, yeah. I, there's I'd about
2: agree. there's a handful of players I would trade RJ Barrett for, and he's not one of the handful.
1: Exactly, no. you know. And, and as you were saying, Jonathan, you did. There is that side that you could probably make a case that him and Randall in the post together could be good. I'm on the opposite side of that. I, I just I don't think you should have two ball dominant big men. It clogging up, uh, you know, touches in the paint, and I know, like as you said, they can extend the floor, and shoot the three-point shot and all that. But I, I just that, that I, I don't, I don't think it would work. I just don't. I, I I would stay away from it. Usually with these rumors, and you know, like I said, I, we were kidding, Chip. I said in about five minutes we'll start seeing the fake trades coming out and what it will take to get a deal done for them. Um, and, and Chip, you know how I feel about fake trades. I I, I can't. I don't I don't even like discussing them because they're never gonna happen. like when do, when when do any of these deals actually happen? It, it, it's it, it won't happen you know and, can I,
0: so can I, I in light of how much you absolutely hate fake trades, I literally ago, trade. just thought of a fake trade <laughs> um, no just because you know the Simmons situation in Philly is obviously still happening. and again, we're we're for all listen, towns may have just been letting off some steam and he may go in front of a microphone on Monday and say like, look, I was, I was shocked. I was disappointed, but I'm a wolf. I'm a a wolf. I'm a wolf. Life. I want to be here. Let's get this thing straightened out. But if, if he does really want out with the Simmons situation in Philly, we obviously know the wolves want, um, want Simmons. Apparently maybe that's the reason why this, this happened today. Like, is there a situation where Simmons goes to Minnesota Towns goes somewhere else, and then someone, some third team, sends a player to Philly. The most obvious name I could think of is like Darren Fox, um who, like, okay, Sacramento maybe doesn't want to trade Fox for Simmons. Would they? Tra- would, it, would they essentially give up Fox for Towns in a situation? Obviously, you'd have to. There would be some issues. You'd have to find a new home for Rashawn Holmes, and maybe you get a fourth team involved, whatever the case may be. Or who knows? Maybe Holmes goes back to. Uh, Minnesota, I'm, I'm not thinking through the salary, so I'm not sure how, how that would work out. There would need to be other players in the deal. But, like, that's an interesting thing. And Obviously, there would be picks involved, too. But, like, I, I don't know. I mean, stuff like this happens and, like, you know, these teams are going to talk. I'd be curious to see what happens.
1: You know, why, why, why don't they just send towns to the Lakers? Everybody else is going <laughs> <though>. Why not? <laughs> yeah, why right? Not? One more won't hurt. You know, it, it, speaking of all the LA, even the Dodgers, I, I'm I'm trying to figure out how they pay their freaking roster with all the guys they all got. Right Cap, that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just it's just it's mind boggling. Like everybody's going to LA basically. But uh, yeah, you know, and, and when I say the 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 fake trades, I, I mean more from like the Nick sense of it. Like the, it's just oh yeah, a lot no, of these things you. are not going to happen. They're just not yeah. going to happen. I I, and I agree. agree. I agree with you, Chip. I, you know. If if RJ Barrett's in a deal, Carl Anthony Towns is not, not a guy on my list that I, I would make that move for. Do
2: I don't it. like the idea of Daryl Morey just effing up this Ben Simmons thing completely and then stepping in shit and then ending up with De'Aaron Fox anyway, just like the luckiest GM I, in <laughs> basketball history. Like, I mean, if, that I, if happens, I was Sacramento, I, I would – I
0: want no part of trading – Aaron Fox. I I mean I think we I think pretty sure we've talked about him in the past Jim. Yeah, I yeah, I'm man. a met of the Fox guy so love him. Yeah.
1: Yeah, next up though what I wanted to get to today um, is of course the Frank Neal Aquino. <laughs> and
2: just the Wait. Frank Nina nothing there's nothing else to
1: it it's just it, yeah. it was it's been a disaster okay all right I had to deal with it four or five years I don't even know how long he was on the team because I've kind of forgot at times he was he was on the team you um, want to not, discuss
2: your pre-draft take about yeah, Frank and I will
1: I will I absolutely will I, I I will I'll do all that you know but I am just a few months ago we hear yeah, the Knicks ain't signing him. He's a free agent. And it brought a tear to my eye. I said, thank God. Thank God. And wherever this guy goes, I'll help him move. I'll pack his damn bags for him and send him it's on not his not even life.
2: on the team anymore. Give yeah, I was.
1: I was, it, was a gra- it was one of the greatest moves in the offseason to not put him on the team anymore. Uh, now that he finally signed with Dallas, I'm hoping that I don't have to hear Frank Nilekina's name ever again. Um, stay, off stay off
2: Twitter. I, I just yeah.
1: can't. I've <laughs> I, I already seen it on Twitter that he's going to do great things in Dallas and, and the Knicks are going to be sorry. The only thing that's sorry is Frank Aquino. He was useless. Jesus. I just, I'm just. He didn't do anything in four or five years. And this love affair. Oh, my God. Anytime he came to the score table in the garden, you would have thought it was freaking Willis Reed coming out of the damn tunnel again. I mean, I'm serious. If this guy t- came out to the score table, the place would go crazy. And I it would crack me up all the time because Clyde Frazier made so many damn references to it. And you could tell, I, I don't think Clyde Frazier was very impressed with Frank at all. And he would make comments all the time like, man, boy, this crowd loves this guy. And, and for the life of me, never understood.
2: I don't anything. know because Clyde's favorite player was Ish Smith. So, I, I kind of yeah, got a feeling well, you know, he was you know, a Frank no, guy. No, but like late- – you guys,
0: you guys joke about that, but like, so you know, and and we could laugh at, at at Clyde and and we, you know, to, he he a lot of this a lot of similar takes except without the the great basketball resume came from like Wally Zerbiak. Wally Zerbiak, how many times <laughs> would we be watching a post game and Wally Zerbiak's talking up, you know, Elfray Payton or in years oh. past like Emmanuel Moutier or whatever shitty shitty point guard and like. You know, being like, yeah. Meanwhile, Frank, you know, he just needs to be more aggressive. And I'd be the guy yelling at the television because I'd be like, but that's not Frank's game. Frank, like, he's there to be the connector. He's there to be the like, make sure everybody else, you know, is living their best basketball life. And like, he's doing all the little things about like defense. I'm like, I don't need to repeat this. We've been saying the same shit for four years, which is why I think I've been catching a lot of flack um, from Nick fans for the last few weeks because I've been very. Open and honest about the fact that I'm like, look, I'm not going to sit here and like cry or, or or like write a soliloquy over Frank being gone because I think what we've learned over the time, I'm not where you are in terms of like he's a terrible player. I think the organization did him absolutely wrong in every conceivable way. Um, but there is a there is a middle ground here where it's like, OK, maybe, you know. Frank is not as bad as maybe his numbers would suggest. Um, But at the same time, and I I pointed this out on my pod last weekend, he played 4,000 minutes. It's not like we're talking about someone who didn't play at all. And he was like – I agree the situation was awful oftentimes and, like, nobody wanted to give him a chance. But to get back to what I said originally – like there's a reason why he, and I don't know how anybody could possibly come back with an argument against this. Cause I haven't heard one. There's a reason why 29 teams or essentially 30 teams waited 45 days. Anybody could have had this guy on day one of free agency, two in day two of free agency, day three, three agency. Nobody did. You're telling me that like Frank was waiting out the best offer or the perfect situation. Okay. Maybe I guess. Um, I'm more skeptical. I, I think the rest of the league sees him as exactly what he is, which is a guard slash wing who is just like – he's tentative. That's been his one defining characteristic for four years. It doesn't mean he's a bad player. No, it doesn't mean he's a bad player. He showed himself to be a really good shooter. He's obviously a gifted defensive player. He tries hard. He's unselfish. He's all the things that you want, but I think that's the very simple truth about Frank and cut, cut through all the bullshit and all the hyperbole and everything else. It's that if you're, a, if you're a perimeter player and there are questions about your ability slash desire to like, okay, I have a lane I'm going to drive or, you know, I have a shot, I'm going to shoot it. Like that's a death. No, I think I don't think like you can be like what those guys at best, if they are great at everything else, I think maybe they're a fifth man on a, on a stack starting lineup or more likely a sixth or a seventh or an eighth man on a pretty good team. And that's what Frank is. I think that's what he could be. I think he's going to be a great seventh or eighth man, you know, in Dallas, but like, is that worth the time that's been spent arguing? I, I, that's, that's where I'm really more feel more passionately about than anything else. And that's why I can't get behind everybody, you know, who who is like. Treating this as some kind of a crazy, awful thing that has happened because I just – I'm not – I can't justify it, you know?
2: I just think it's funny that people are giving you shit because two, whatever, two or three years ago, whenever you first started writing for ESNY, you were, like, the biggest Frank supporter that I've ever met. Like, you wrote yeah, multiple but- articles putting them over saying – But Give- do you know why – yeah, yeah. I think I remember you saying that he needed to be given time. He was a kid.
0: And I, I think – and he was a younger player then. And I think he needed to be given time. But more importantly than that, it was a team and a roster full of guys that the Knicks had absolutely no – like there was no reason to invest mm-hmm. time or energy into the development of those players. So when he was, get, when he was losing minutes – to certain players over the first one, two, three years of his career, I think there was a much bigger argument. And then we arrive at this season. And this season, what happened? They became a winning team. And they became a team with guys that you could actually turn to. And, like, let's just call it like it is. Frank lost a job to Reggie Bullock. Reggie Bullock played the role on the team that Frank is best suited for. A wing who could defend the opposing team's um, best perimeter player, who could hit an open three. Like, similar limitations to Frank, you know? doesn't really like to move with the ball. Um, And just Bullock was better at that. So, you know? So, like, am I going to sit here and, and write more articles and have more podcasts about, like, how dare the Knicks, like, play Reggie Bullock and invest time in Reggie Bullock instead of Franklin Kidd? No, because they're a winning team. When you're a winning team, you play the best guy. Reggie Bullock was the better guy. So, like, what you know, was Frank supposed to play over quickly? Was he supposed to play over Derrick Rose? Was he supposed to play over Alec Burks like that? No. <laughs> you know? So, I don't know. Like, yeah, I guess my opinion has changed a little bit, but also, like, the circumstances have changed. And, like, Frank just kind of didn't develop,
1: which, again, partially the Knicks fault. You
0: yeah. know, it's, it's not all on him.
1: And I, and I certainly hear what you're saying, especially early on. Uh, you know, we we were – basically what the situation was, a coach was trying to keep his job, right? That, yes. Be, that, that's why he was throwing out these veteran players that should not have been on the floor, trying to keep their job. That I 100% agree with you, that that's probably where he should have gotten minutes. Uh, but I, I still think over the years he was given his opportunities. He was giving his chances. And at times, you know, like last year, I mean, we had some injuries. He stepped in and had to play and played pretty well. You know, not, nothing amazing, nothing that just wowed you, but gave some decent minutes. Yeah, you saw it. And then when he got those, you know, that that stretch of two or three weeks in, then he started going back the other way where he, he couldn't hit an open shot. Or And, I mean, you know, if he takes four or five shot attempts a game, I would like him to hit two of them at least, you know, and he would have a one for four or one for five, you know. I just say that he had his chances throughout all that, And never really took advantage of it, and I I guess, and I I, when I'm thinking what I'm saying, there is nothing personally like from Frank Milakino. Like he did nothing wrong to make me say it. It's more frustration from the fans that just like R.J. Barrett played one summer league game, he was a bus. That's what people yeah. were saying. He's a bust. He sucked. He's terrible. The Knicks did it again. He's he's garbage. He's got to go. Frank Nalikina in four years didn't do that much, and these guys would be literally licking the floor as he walked by it. Well,
0: like, I, I, I think I think that was in response to a certain type of, of fan and observer of basketball. And I'm not saying that this viewpoint is wrong, um, I even find myself falling more into this, but who just basically like, if you're not a guy who can get buckets like in a certain way, like you're like like that's the most valuable skill by far, and if you're not a bucket getter, you're useless and i I don't agree with that stance at all. I think there are a lot of ways a basketball player can be valuable that don't involve scoring.
1: I agree with that, but
0: at the same time, yeah, like at the end of the day, your ability to score and your willingness to try to score is a, is a vital piece of the puzzle, you know? So like, again, those, those people are not like completely wrong in the takes, but I just, I think that's where a lot of the passion came from. It wasn't necessarily because people believed Frank was like, you know, this like, you know, third guy on a good team waiting to happen. I, I, I just think it was more surrounding like the diversity of opinions in, you know, in the conversation.
2: Yeah, I think even the biggest Frank supporters gave up on Frank being the starting point guard a while ago. Yeah, because that they held on to that one for a while, and I think that that was given up. I don't think he's even considered a, a point guard anymore. I think he's a wing player, but he, he just wasn't – there was always a stigma attached to him too, which is kind of unfair because Phil Jackson drafted him and he was supposed to play in the triangle, and that was always going to be there. And then whenever he would get going – he would never get, like, a real serious injury, but it always seemed like he had bad luck. Like, whenever he would have a few good games, he'd get a nagging injury, and he'd be out for, like, a week or two weeks or something. Yes. And then he'd come back and play well, and he'd get hurt again. It's, to, he just had a lot of bad luck.
0: To me, that's the biggest what-if is the injuries. Um, I th- Well, let me rephrase that. I think it's too biggest what-ifs. I think it's the injuries, and I think, like, he had had an organization and a coach from day one that showed real confidence and belief in him, as opposed to like literally two weeks after he got picked by his NBA team, I I could see it. Like, I I, I mean, I'll say this: I don't think Scott Perry ever liked Frank Delikina. I don't think Scott Perry ever wanted Frank Delikina here. I don't think he ever thought for a second that he would have considered making him the draft pick. And like, whether Scott Perry is right or whether Scott Perry is wrong, I think that was translated so clearly. That if you're a 18 year old kid, 19 year old kid, 20 year old kid, and like the guy that is essentially running your team, you know pretty well, like he's not in your corner, like that's gotta be tough. Like, yeah. and that's why, you know, for as much as like, yes, I get, he never really did anything with the time he got. He had, like I said, he played over 4,000 minutes, averaged whatever, five points a game. Like, it, from that perspective, I, I think it's it's fair to point out that, like, look, you got to be some kind of a special person in terms of, like, your self-confidence and everything to overcome that, like, lack of belief from your own franchise. So that's why I, I really do think if you've been drafted by a different organization that nurtured him in the right way, who knows what type of player we're talking about. I don't think we're talking about, like, again, a top, like, four or five guy on a championship team, but I think we're talking about a guy who is recognized as a valuable NBA contributor. And like, there's, there's no, no question about the fact that he has a place in the league, and he's and he's good. Um, but you know, coulda woulda shoulda, right?
1: and, and yeah, you know, Chip, you you were you were alluding to it just really quick before we wrap this up. But the you know the the pre-draft of Frank Nlekwena, you know, and, and listen, you know, I, I I'm somebody that makes. A lot of predictions, a lot of, um, you know, viewpoints and share. I do it on my radio show. You know, it's part of working in the sport industry. I am wrong a lot. Okay. That's just, that's just a way to, now you get some that are wrong a lot and hide from it. They'll they'll make something and never admit that they were wrong. I'm not one of those, those people. I was dead wrong in that draft as well. Like I, I wanted Dennis Smith jr. And I was very, very like, we, we need Dennis Smith Jr. We shouldn't draft Frank Nielakita at all. And then we finally got Dennis Smith Jr. on the team. And by the end of that, that little short tenure, he was with the Knicks. I, we did it live on the podcast. I, I said, God, I was wrong. He sucks. But, but, but even him, like, I was, him, not, like, I was isn't not there a what about if about Frank Nielakita?
0: Isn't there a what if about Dennis Smith Jr., though? Like, look, I'm not going to sit here and defend him or say, like, that he's any kind of great shakes, Um well, he had not a good rookie year in Dallas, but he put up numbers. They were terribly yeah. inefficient, but he put up numbers. And then his organization drafted his replacement, as, as they should have because who's well, the Dodgers. <laughs> who's going to – Yeah, he's going to dominate the league for the next <laughs> 10 years. But, like, I, I just – But, again, that's a, – that's a, It's to all of these situations, right? Like, there are so few LeBrons and, like, you know, Dwayne Wade's and, like, the, you know, the guys who are going to just succeed anywhere. One, because they have the talent to the point that no one's ever going to question them. Um, And two, because they have that belief and that self-confidence. But I think most players fall into a different camp where, like, the situation absolutely matters. And I think Frank Nolokina is evidence of that. I think Dennis McJunior is evidence of that. And I think there's a lot of other players you can point to that are evidence of that. But, you know. I wish him nothing but the best. I hope he succeeds in Dallas. Yeah. And and and,
1: and, uh, and, and, and that sums it up well because I don't root for Frank D.Laquino to fail. I've said this a thousand and one times. If he has success in Dallas, good for him. Like I, I don't wish for somebody to fail on the, you know, just fall on their face and totally suck up it suck it up, but I, I just don't see him having that much of an impact, even in Dallas. I don't. I think he's going to sit on the All he's got to do
2: is make corner threes. So, I, I think he I, might I, be – That's a- all he
1: had to do in New York. Yeah. And, I, and I wasn't pleased with, with the, the results from it. Yeah, I just
2: mm.
1: – I, 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 at times, yeah, but overall, nothing special. That's all I'm saying. There's there's just nothing special. You know, we, we talked about other guys and why – you know, we talked about Barrett. Why was he called a bus after one summer? That's weekend. right. Two seconds, okay. Yeah. And, oh, sorry. <laughs> and, you know, you get, uh, you, you, you get the whole he went from Duke, right? We talked about Knox, why they're harder on him. He's Kentucky, you know. But at the end of the day, these were lottery guys, like like Frank was. Now, again, I, I do know he's coming from France. You know, he, he was labeled as a guy that would be a project player and all that. Um, but it just in the end of it, it was just nothing really special. A, and, Never really was on the Frank train and never will understand why there was such a big love affair. Like people tried to explain it to me and it might be because, you know, he's a good kid. He works hard and he does. He was a good teammate. He did his job. You know, I get all that fine. But the standing ovations when he would come to the score table, gosh, that would blow my mind. That would that, It just blew my mind. I've never understood it, but we'll leave it there. Um, you know, the, the, the last call segment, all I got to say is Zach Wilson, don't throw the ball to the opposite team no more. Don't do that. Don't, I can't, I can't take another Sunday of interception glory. just, I can't, I can't. So when you play Denver, throw it to whatever Jersey color we're wearing. That's it. Not, not the other team. Okay. I'm going to need you to do that for me. old high school musical looking self. Okay. But with that being said, we'll wrap up the show. Jonathan, thank you again for taking the time and joining us on the podcast really means a lot thank you
0: of course guys i like chick knows i always love talking hoops um I, uh i wish i had even more time to do it but i'm glad that uh i could come on and uh yeah know, yeah. go uh, if you're listening go uh follow nick's 12 school and subscribe on youtube newsletter the whole uh the whole thing
2: final review and, uh, podcast too
0: Oh yeah, well absolutely Final <laughs> review. that that uh new episode, I don't know, this is gonna drop, but doing a um I guess I could say what it is because it's it they've been promoting it already, so it's uh, they're doing Pulp Fiction this week, so I'm excited That's about that. Great movie.
1: Yeah. I, I've never seen it. I just gotta I thought Pulp I was I, again I, I've never seen it. Never seen it. You
0: might wanna you might wanna <laughs> chew that one
2: up.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I've I've been told that, so I probably do need to get on that, but uh, for now, we'll leave it there. And we'll be back soon with another episode of the Next State of Mind podcast.